Welcome to season five of Foresight the CPA podcast. I'm Neil Morrison. This season, we are looking at emerging and developing issues, the forces, the factors, the fundamental shifts that will impact the workplace, and as a result, will drive change in the accounting profession over the next five to 10 years. Some of this pressure to evolve is coming from the usual sources, technological change, automation, and AI, and we're gonna dive into all of that. But some of it is coming from within the accounting profession itself, For example, there's a drive in the U.S. to have accounting recognized as part of the group of subjects known as STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And that's something we're going to explore this season. And of course, CPAs aren't insulated from the broader shifts in society. You don't need to be glued to Twitter to recognize we are becoming increasingly polarized. What happens when those divisions enter the workplace? What skills will CPAs need to manage them? Leanne Davy, the author of The Good Fight, will be here to help answer those questions. And another social current that is propelling change in the profession is more of a wave, really. The, the rise of Generation Z, the cohort born in the late 90s and after, are now entering the workforce, and they've got their own ideas about what they want out of being a CPA. All of this is coming up over the next six episodes, and we're going to start with the rise of the continuous audit. So my name is Kevin Coloniatis, um, and I'm the audit partner in charge of uh, audit technology within the KPMG Canadian firm. Kevin is the driving force behind the shift towards continuous audit at KPMG Canada. The continuous audit represents a dramatic break from both the rhythms and the methods of the traditional audit. As Kevin puts it, this is the dawn of something brand new in auditing. This is the new age auditor, if you want to call it that, the new age CPA. And according to Kevin, the demand for this new age CPA, this new age auditor, is only going to grow, not just because the technology makes it possible, but because businesses are going to expect it. The market is going to demand it. It's the evolution. Just thinking about the speed at everything, how everything's going, I think it's the only way to go. I want to get into what you need to have in place to be able to execute on a continuous audit. But before we go any further, we should probably take a second to just define what is a continuous audit. What are we talking about? All right. So continuous audit, if you look at the definition of it, there's many different components to it. But the concept being there's continuous information flowing and continuous reviewing or identification of triggers, outliers, exceptions that can be dealt with in a timely fashion rather than the traditional point in time look back type procedures that audit typically does. So it's it's ongoing. There's no break. It's not periodic. It's not shortening the period between the audits. It's it's an ongoing flow of information. Correct. Bang on. If you get to the root definition of it, that's exactly what it is, right? Constant. You basically have a pipeline that feeds information from, you know, your core client system 
to your system where you're applying, let's say, continuous analytics on it, that the data just constantly flows and you're constantly monitoring it, flagging it, et cetera. Absolutely. And what is the advantage of this over a traditional audit? Yeah, so it's very beneficial in, in a few ways. If we look at historical audits, historical audits that we do today and we've been doing for a long period of time, we're always going in at points in time, right, to execute the audit. So you may be going in on a quarterly basis. You may be going in semi-annually where you do an interim period of work. You do a year-end period of work. But what you're doing is, is you're taking information at that point in time, you're processing the information and you're identifying potential exceptions at that point in time. And you're trying to tackle those problems when other things may have happened after the fact, right? You, right? You're not catching it when something actually occurs. Where continuous auditing comes in and you have information flowing between systems and you're looking at transactional data on a continuous basis, if something gets identified, that item you can follow up with management and say, hey, we noticed that this transaction went through, this transaction doesn't look normal, it looks like it's out of your tolerance ranges, maybe you have a control issue because your tolerance limits for your matching of your transactions, your purchase order to the invoice came in, looks like it's above that threshold you set for $2,000 as an example, right. this is $10,000, you might want to look at that. And that's really powerful because your client can react right away, right? And they can go and investigate and see, did someone erroneously by mistake or worse, was it fraudulently tweaked um, to allow for these types of transactions to go through? Therefore, impacting my control environment. And that's in the control context. But even on a transaction perspective, looking at just your regular transactions going through, well, this revenue transaction doesn't fit the mold. Maybe it's a duplicate. Maybe your accounts receivable clerk or your sales clerk that was entering the invoices hit a duplicate. So it gets popped out, it gets flagged right away. So your client or the client's customer isn't being billed twice where then they may upset their customer. Mm -hmm. But from an audit perspective, it's a double counting of revenue, right? So we catch it. So it's very beneficial from a timeliness perspective. And it's not just the nice thing about continuous audit in my mind is it's beneficial to the client, one, to make sure their, you know, their books and records are appropriate, et cetera but it can also have a downstream impact to their business because of the way they interact with their customers. They go back and they could correct that duplicate in that example where it never goes to the customer, right? And um, so there, there's a huge advantage to moving towards continuous audit, but there's a lot of process and tech around it to enable it, so. Yeah, we're almost there. Yeah. We're gonna get to that in one second, but first, so that's the advantage for businesses. I guess another advantage, just listening to you, another advantage that comes to mind is the traditional audit is really just a sample. It's a decent sample, but you're sampling. You're not doing the entirety of the transactions. It sounds like, if I'm understanding you correctly, the continuous audit is doing everything. It's not sampling. It's covering every transaction that occurs. 
Yeah. So you're right, Neil. It's moving away from traditional audit techniques, right? Where sampling is one of those techniques. We have other techniques we use around substantive analytic procedures and other types of audit procedures. But yes, you're absolutely right. So moving away from a traditional where you sample 250 items because it's a representative sample, right? you're now testing 100% of the transactions and you're identifying items to do detailed work on. But yet, better yet, you're able to explain why these items got flagged. It's a very different conversation uh, with a client rather than here's my list of 250 transactions, please provide me support, right? Right. (laughs) Very different, so. When did you first begin thinking about or getting involved in the idea of continuous audit? I know this is something that you've been connected to for a while. So when did that begin? If I look back, this has got to be, oh, about 10 years ago, I had written a paper or a presentation with technologies that we had at that time and where the future potentially could go. So it, the concept of continuous auditing has been around for a very long time, but we didn't have the technologies to get there. Uh, right. And was that the real obstacle at that point? Just that the tech wasn't up to speed? It wasn't just the tech, it's the tech's part of it, it's the process on how things work, and it's also the people being both us, but also our clients as well. And you put those pieces together, but the tech is one of the leading elements to it because the tech has come a long way, even in the last 10 years. Right, right. Once the tech becomes available, then you start having to think about these other things and how to make it execute and how to put in place. What have you discovered about what needs to be in place to execute on a continuous audit? So early on, one of the things that we, we knew was we wanted to get this to the state of Nirvana, which is what we call continuous audit. There's a lot of steps <laughs> before you get to continuous audit. And quite frankly, we're not there yet today. Right. And there's different reasons for that. And, and we can chat to that in a bit. But I had just previously mentioned there's three things I look at. So even before the tech, we stepped back and we said, okay, tech's one part of it. The tech's got to come along and there's various elements to that tech to get you there. But we also recognize that our people need to change and need to understand continuous audit as an example. And they also needed to have a tech flair to them, right? Mm -hmm. So we worked in partnership and this goes back to 2017, 2018 with Simon Fraser University. We built a program where our uh, folks from our firm go and study, they get a grad certificate in analytics and can go on to a master's in analytics and cognitive analytics. And that that was a really important stepping stone because you gotta upskill your workforce to understand. And also at the time, over the last number of years, you've got a number of individuals coming in that in the university programs they were taking have more analytic type skill sets coming in. So they were looking for that as well. So. The point being, we needed to get to the workforce to a certain level of understanding in order to 
apply it. That's the first part of the people side. Yeah. The second part of it is we also need a layer in there of purely different skill sets. So we also need a layer of people who understood data science, computer science, data, database type folks. So we early on put a layer in of those individuals because they help the engine work at the right. end of the day, right? So that's an important part. Hmm. The third part to the people side of the house is actually our clients, right? And going back to the COVID era, a lot of our clients were sitting on on-premises type ERP systems, accounting packages, et cetera. And what we saw over the pandemic, because they had to pivot just like we had to pivot, but our environments were set up to work virtually. A lot of folks got stuck and some of our enterprise clients struggled to do that pivot because their financial systems were on-prem. On-prem means on-premises, right? Right. Trying to make that work. So we've seen a big pivot to the cloud mm -hmm. um, and that's a, a natural to start to allow you to get to the continuous auditing model because that tech stack allows you to talk more frequently to other cloud systems, right? By APIs, but that's getting into the, to the tech layer of it all. But from a people perspective on the client side, they have to come along as well because you're now introducing continuous questioning. Well, there's two, uh, there's two uh, other elements of people side that came to mind when you were talking. One is the client side. You now need to train your client to expect regular emails, right? Or meetings pointing out errors, and they need to have in place the ability to respond to those errors on a quick basis. I, then there's also seems to me on the people side for the CPAs that you're hiring, they used to have, let's say an audit crunch period, but is it now just a 12 month a year audit crunch period? It's constantly just, they're constantly in that audit frenzy it that's a they're both excellent comments so on the client side of the house fully agree the client needs to be able to sort of staff up manage on a continuous basis from our side of the house and i'll talk to the benefits of that in a sec but from our side of the house yes you get into that continuous audit mode right where you're constantly resourcing you get away from the peaks of December year ends, you're driving hard through January and February with your public companies. Then you have a bit of a lull, let's say in the back half of March, beginning of April, but then all your private companies hit you hard and you got these huge spikes again. What continuous auditing can do is it allows you to smooth the curve at the end of the day, mm. right? Where you distribute that work hopefully over the whole year which is a good thing for both sides of the house, the way I see it. Yes, the client's got a shift and you're reacting more frequently, right? You have more questions, more interactions, but that's a good thing because by the time you get to the year end, hopefully you don't have these big spikes because the auditor understands the business real well, understands the transactions that have gone through in the year. So you're doing more the year end balance sheet stuff, if you want to call it that, right? Confirming the bank doing your inventory counts, things like that. And you're staying away from the more transactional type data because you've done it all throughout the year. Right. Right. Now, so 
that helps the lives, I think, on both sides of the house. And to be honest, you look at the Gen Z class coming out that we have, they're looking for those opportunities. They're looking for, let's say, I'll call it a regular work day, but what's a regular work day these days, right? Mm -hmm. But it's kind of that smoothing. And I think the continuous auditing actually helps our industry, keeps it appealing to people to come in. Right. Yeah. It has an appeal for Gen Z who we're talking to in this season on that smoothing out the curve, as you described, allowing for a little bit more work-life balance or a predictable work-life balance. But it also seems to help in that it removes some of the, I don't know, the more rote or more tedious aspects of it, right? Yeah. Because a lot of that's being handled and what the new CPA who's coming in, if they're doing continuous audit, they're coming in at a slightly higher analytical level, more interesting analytical level, I would think. Absolutely. You hit that right on the head, Neil. You're getting people away from what the traditional auditors always thought when they would come into the business in sort of your first and second year, where going back to the sampling example, right, going and get 250 items and you're going and ticking tying back to invoices, back to source documents, right? You're moving away from that. You're smoothing it out through the year, which then frees them up to work on more challenging areas. Estimates as an example, looking at inventory, right? D different, different facets. And also it allows them to apply analytics within the audit, which is what they've been trained to do mm -hmm. in university. And we augment it uh, within the firm as well. So it's, we're on the right path for sure. Mm. And it's going to benefit, I think, everybody at the end of the day. What are the obstacles right now? to move this forward. You mentioned the Nirvana state. You're not quite at the Nirvana state. So what are the obstacles right now, the biggest ones? So I think there's a few. I think first, tech isn't fully there mm. in the sense, like if you look at the breadth of clients w within our, our area, there are literally hundreds of accounting packages out there. So trying to figure out a solution to enable the continuous the true purest form of continuous audit where you've got a pipeline of data coming through that's a challenge you still have a number of clients that have the on-prem solutions so they're not cloud-based so it's a little more complicated to pull data out mm -hmm. to enable the continuous auditing concept i think change management as a whole and i know that's a term that's thrown around a lot but it's true in with our clients, with an organization to have the processes in place and be able to adopt continuous auditing. There's a lot of work there. It's been worked on for a number of years, but getting to the right spot there. Um, the, a lot of it's driven by the tech though. Right. Um, I, the cloud adoption is still a big thing. We still have tons of clients still sitting on-prem, but I think if I look back and, and Neil, you asked me the question around sort of when I looked at it and when I created mm -hmm. sort of my first presentation on it, we, we look at back at the experiences and when you look at the last, I'll say the last five years and the pandemic, I would say accelerated um, the, not the adoption, but the driving of the technology and right. that as well. 
the last five years, there's been a big um, change in tech to start a lot to allow um, even pieces of this to, to, to actually happen. Um, but inevitably, continuous audit is going to be the way of the future. Right. So you said that things really accelerated over the past five years. Five yes. years from now is continuous audit for the most part. I don't, I'm not looking at a hundred percent of firms, but for the yeah. most part, does it become standard? Do you think? I would like to say it does in, in five years. I think we'll see it maybe in certain sectors. Mm -hmm. We may see it in different industries that adopt it and enable it. I mean, could it be fully embedded 10 years from now? Hopefully I see it in my lifetime where it's fully enabled in the sense of my years left within practice and that sort of thing, which I'm sure that's what's going to be the case. But I think, will it be a fraction in five years, 10% of our client base, 20%? Um, I couldn't tell you the right. specific statistic, but the, the adoption is going to be there. We're, we're, we're getting to that spot for sure. Well, I hope you get to see it before you end your career because then you will have been there at the beginning and you'll get to see it when it's complete. To me, that's fascinating, right? As a CPA, when you can be involved in something like that. So to see that come to fruition uh, is, is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Fantastic. Kevin, thank you so much for talking to me. I really, really enjoyed this. Absolutely. Same here, Neil. Thanks very much for having me. Kevin Kolianatis is the audit partner in charge of audit technology with KPMG Canada. You heard Kevin speak about a data analytics program KPMG launched in partnership with Simon Fraser University. If that interests you, CPA Canada offers an advanced data management certificate program that is also a partnership with SFU and KPMG. The program will teach skills that benefit those in finance and accounting roles from analysts to senior managers or, or those who want to take on the responsibilities of working with and analyzing data. And we're going to put a link to the program in the show note. On our next episode, we will speak with Jan Taylor. Jan is the academic in residence and the senior director for academic and student engagement at AICPA. That's the Association of International Certified Professional Accountants. She is leading the push to have accounting recognized as part of the STEM group of subjects. That's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. She says this designation recognizes the massive change in accounting over the past few decades. And importantly, the central role technology now plays in the profession. That is what we are trying to get that word out, you know, that this is not your parents' accounting profession anymore. It is when I started, we were just getting into the computer age of accounting, if you will. Mm -hmm. I, I do remember doing some manual books back in the day. So we've come a long way over the last certainly 30, 40 years. And the technology just continues to grow. That is Jan Taylor, the academic in residence and the senior director for academic and student engagement at AICPA, speaking on our next episode. Foresight, the CPA podcast, is produced for CPA Canada by Podcraft Productions. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. And please note, the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of CPA Canada. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Neil Morrison. Thank you.